Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. It's season three, and we're exploring how our homes can improve our well-being. We'll be looking at the impact of the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the acoustic levels in our homes, smart kitchens, award-winning designs, and leading-edge building construction. We ask the questions, so you know how to make your home work for you. I'm Jennifer Lee Gunson. And I'm Mike Friedman. Now that you're here, why not hit subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode. Hey, Mike, here we are again. It's Measure Twice, Cut Once Day. Hello, Jennifer Lee. And yes, this is an episode that we're going to explore a very important topic and one I wished I'd explore a lot more closely when I did work on my house seven years ago. That is, of course, renovation. But we really haven't explored partial renos. That's a good point, Jennifer Lee. Not everybody is going to be taking a look at a full-scale renovation. And I'm sure there are a lot of design ideas and building solutions to upgrade parts of the home to improve the livability. Absolutely. Just think about what Aleem shared in the last episode about bathrooms. That would be a perfect reason to stay put and not move. Totally agree. Well, let's bring on today's guest. We're going to welcome Laura Grist, Principal Interior Designer of Laura Grist Interiors Incorporated, and Dan Klassen of Jaden Brothers Contracting. Welcome, Laura. Welcome, Dan. Thanks. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the studio today. And of course, because everyone doesn't know you guys, we get the pleasure of getting to know you guys through Haven. But uh, Laura Grist, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? What made you want to become an interior designer? Well, it's funny because, you know, I, as a child, I loved playing with doll houses and, you know, was kind of irritated when I couldn't actually revisit how it was laid out for me. So, uh, and skip forward had kids, had a job at a law firm, worked very many years at a law firm and, and was one day watching TV and on came an ad for an interior design course. And I was like, oh, yes, that's what I wanted to do. I forgot. So I went back to school at age 40, the oldest one in my class, most of the teachers as well, and uh, decided, you know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So uh, new career at age 40 and just loved every minute of it. We're a full-service interior design firm. We've been around for uh, 14 years. It's coming up our 15th year. And we started out small, and we've now grown. There's uh, five of us in the office and really enjoy uh, doing renovations uh, principally. Uh, we, we do do some other commercial work as well as uh, renovation work uh, for new builds and things like that. But we generally, I love doing renovations because I like to get in there and get out. So I uh, see a huge transformation and really spectacular for the, the people that are in the, um, in the home. So it's, it's great. It's lots of fun. And I would imagine trying to figure out how to make a renovation work in an existing space is probably a little bit more challenging than starting from scratch again, too, isn't it? We have a footprint and we have to live within that footprint. So uh, it, it really is, it's not as challenging. It, it gets to be a little bit more creative. I think when someone says you have full reign and you can build a house by scratch, you can do anything you want, you know, it, it's a little boring, you know, just for me anyways, but for 
doing a renovation, it's fabulous because we need to be creative in a space. So yeah, it's really right up our alley. And every interior designer has their own flair. What is your design philosophy? My design philosophy? Well, there is no such thing as a design emergency because we want to make sure that things are very well organized and ready for the renovation. So what we do is we do a lot of back work. So before the renovation starts, we get to know our clients, we get to know what they'd like. And my personal design style is mine. And I look at people's houses and I see what's going to go best with their personal design style. I'm not there to put in my style. I'm putting in their style at an elevated kind of place so that they can enjoy it on their terms. We've met a lot of other guests on our show who have had second careers in this space. And we love talking to everybody, but there's folks like yourself who've come to this at a different stage in life have, I think, a very different philosophy than people who've been doing this all along. How would you say your past experiences lend themselves well to what you just talked about, helping a client discover what their style is by using your skills and experience? Well, I think that, you know, I'm old. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> I think what happens is, you know, I, do, uh, I can go into a space and really there's hints everywhere of what people's style are. And people always say to me, I don't know what my style is. And I'll walk in and it, very clearly they've got some mid-century modern pieces there that they're like, this is what's my grandmother's and I love this. And it's like, okay, you have a style. You just don't know what it's called maybe, or you don't know how to explore it more. Everybody has a style. And I think instead of me going in there uh, and saying, this is going to be your style, I want to pick up on their clues and their likes and dislikes and make sure that we're doing exactly what they want, even when they don't even know they want it. So that's kind of fun, actually. And you make a good point, too. And that's why they need an interior designer to help guide them, because we have a client and they're lovely, but we show them modern and they're like, no, I don't want modern. They're like, I want traditional. And then we show them traditional. And they're like, no, I don't want traditional. So it's trying to find that balance because, hey, I had the luxury of growing up as a daughter of a contractor, but I don't know much about interior design. That is not my wheelhouse. And, and a lot of people are like me. And that's why we need your help when we want to have a beautiful home because we don't know exactly what all these things are called. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, a lot of people are reading magazines and watching the shows and things like that, which is is great. But I think they forget what they can live in because living in something and seeing something on TV doesn't generally, you know, kind of go hand in hand with how you live in your house. So you get a lot of this, you know, people saying, you know, I love this beautiful chandelier. and blah. It's like, uh, but everything in your house is, you know, is mid-century modern. And they, and they kind of go, oh, I, yeah, I guess you're right. And then when they, when we explore the topic more, they're very, uh, very happy to see that we, we do have a style that's meant for them. So that's always fun, like I say. Yeah, and like you said, they have to live in it, but also the things have to last. Like, so a lot of the times when you do watch shows on TV, it looks beautiful for the camera, but it might not be able to endure the wear and tear of like if you have five dogs and children and all that stuff and so people are like I, w I want that for my kitchen or that countertop looks beautiful but it's like how does that countertop function for your life oh a hundred percent I mean this is why uh, this is the difference between having a flair and saying you know I have a flair for design and really knowing the products that you have I mean if we're talking about doing renovations for people in the house of course I look at do they have two big dogs well there's certain floorings I'm not going to suggest do they have kids 
Well, painted cabinets with kids under three are a little bit more difficult because they're going to run into them with their scooter. And for me, as a family woman, I had four children. I want to make sure in my own house, I don't want things to be so precious that my children can't grow up. And I think that a lot of clients, when we talk to them, I want to make sure that, you know, they're living in the space. You know, it's not for show. It's for living and make sure that the living area and how we work and and grow in the space is conducive to the materials that we choose, which is really important. Well, I'm really glad you you talked about that because, you know, there's a few things at play here. Number one, people doing renovations in the city. I mean, yeah, we like to see these big giant ones where money isn't an object, but for most of us, it is. So the fact that you can take existing elements of our house and incorporate them into your design to create something totally new and unique that has that fresh perspective you have while still using what we have is really, really important. And the second thing you talked about what we see on TV. And the reality is, is most of us don't have the luxury of living in a showroom. Most of us have kids. Most of us have animals. So it's really nice that you're designing places to live in and not just to show, because I think that's a common mistake that people make when they're designing their places and not really thinking in terms of long-term implications. You guys have been working with Jaden Brothers for a while. Your company has yeah. been. How did you come to meet these guys? Oh. Which job was it? The one out in Maple Ridge. The one out in Maple Ridge where the woman had a, you guys had a different interior designer. We've used a few over the years. <laughs> and we, or she had called, I think. I think you met with her first mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then somehow she got a hold of us and then we just kind of came together. And that was probably what, four or five years ago? Uh, about, about five years five ago years now. Ago, yeah. So. yeah. So yeah, we've been working exclusively with Laura for, for five years and uh, it's been fantastic. And you also work with your family. You work with your brother. How is that? Because I work with my brother, mother, and father at our contracting company. (laughs) Everybody always asks, how do you guys work together? And I think uh, the way it works is is we're not together every day. (laughs) He's on site way more than I am. So my role in the company is kind of behind the scenes. I'm budgeting. I'm meeting clients, trying to get the work. And he's, he's more in the execution side. We're not seeing face to face every single day, which which helps. <laughs> but um, but no, we have a great relationship. Um, I mean, we're constantly on the phone, texting behind the scenes. There's so much going on back and forth. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely a question that comes up. How do you guys work together? And it just I don't know, it just works. It's uh, we've got a great thing going. When it works, it works. It's the same question I always get. I'm like, I don't know. I just can't explain it. <laughs> well, don't sell yourself short. It works incredibly well. I've worked with with you guys before, and I, I love the way you communicate both with each other which is very entertaining as well as informative, but also just the way you both work together to relate to the client's need and making sure that high level of service is in place. And that's something that I think is we could all learn something from. I mean, our client's experience is, is number one, and that's from the get-go when we started our business. We wanted the client experience to be fantastic, and we've got some tools in place to help with that. Laura's mentioned in the past that we use Builder Trend, which is a uh, construction software that gets people engaged with the project so they can track the schedule. We upload photos from our mobile devices and uh, all our documents that are created. A lot of the documents that Laura creates from a design perspective are on there and everybody has access to that from our trades to our clients. So, so when we're doing, say, a larger home renovation and the clients have to move out of the house, they're able to stay connected with the project through the software and it just helps with the, the entire 
client journey and, and just making them happy and feel comfortable and stress-free. So I know both of you do the majority of your work in the Tri-Cities. What are typical homes that you guys tend to renovate? Uh, I think the average home, like in our area in the Tri-Cities, is probably 2,500 to, to 4,000 square feet in that ballpark. So these aren't massive homes. People don't have massive budgets. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, our job is to always maximize what we can do within the budget. Where me and Laura, we work together behind the scenes on what we can do. We're communicating back and forth because dollars need to be stretched in a lot of cases. So, so that's always a challenge and it's a fun challenge, I'm sure, for Laura to, to try to maximize what we can do within the walls with a certain budget. Sometimes we go outside of the walls. Like we've done a lot of projects recently where we're, we're adding, doing an addition. I think, Mike, you were involved in one in Coquitlam there where we did an addition. So it happens, but in generally speaking, though, we're working within a defined set of space with a tight budget. And talk about uh, stretching those dollars. Of course, we've just gone through this pandemic, which has had its own challenges, a lot of inflation, especially when you go to the grocery store and you see how much tomatoes and everything costs now. But, you know, the housing is still a big issue here in the lower mainland. Prices are just going up and up and up. And I know a lot of people are having to stick where they are. So... Laura, I know that uh, we've had a few talks before, but uh, you're saying a lot of people are not moving out, but they're moving up rather. Yeah, I, I just find that the trend right now is, you know, you sell for, uh, you know, a million plus, And what do you get for a million plus? Well, not, you know, you're not moving up as you used to. So instead of doing that, they're taking their money they've got into their house and deciding, you know what, we could make this the perfect living space. Yeah, before we needed to have a formal dining room or we had a formal living room. Now we want to open up that space, use the exact same space in a different uh, context. So it it makes for uh, some really interesting upgrades in the house. Because we can take it right down and completely renovate it so that you don't even recognize your own home, which is fabulous. And we're also making sure that, you know, the space now that they need, we can put in the new offices, we can make the kitchen bigger, we can delete the dining room. So it's a, it's a way to uh, really move into a new house, honestly. Would you say those are the most popular trends in renovation right now? Like if I was considering to renovate my home, What are some of the most popular things that you guys have executed on in the last year or two that maybe we wouldn't have thought about prior? I think a lot of people are looking at indoor-outdoor spaces and how can we bring the outside in. I mean, through the pandemic, people are trapped in their homes and uh, we just weren't getting out very much. So um, I know we have a few projects in the design phase right now where we're creating that indoor-outdoor space and opening up walls to kind of give that feel that you are extending your home onto the deck, right, into the exterior. So... That's a big trend. Um, I mean, open concept has always been a trend. I don't think the pandemic has uh, increased that much. Um, I don't know, Laura, what else? I, I we... think home offices. Yeah. I mean, we're doing a lot more home offices. And, and with the home office, they're always, it's so funny because they're always interested in what's behind them because everybody's doing Zoom and, and things like that. So it's like, could we put some wallpaper or something interesting behind us or, you know, and making a, an area where they can work that's kind of more intuitive to, you know, a a good feeling, you know, that you want to make sure that you feel good in your office. And now your office is in your home. So there's a few things that you need to put in place. And one of them, like I say, is like, how do I look on camera? Which is, uh, which is funny, because we never ever had that before. No one ever asked what I was going to look like on camera. 
Well, it's been a big change because when I first started using Zoom eight, ten years ago, we pretended we were in a corporate office. You couldn't let your family come in. You had to pretend you were working in an office. And now everybody's got their kids running and they, you could tell her at home. And I think this is one of those paradigmatic shifts, almost like when we stop wearing ties at work, like this is the new way of working. So I think you've highlighted a huge investment that people can make in their homes. So let's talk about, since we're talking about money and renovations, can you talk briefly about if people are monetizing their property now, doing things like adding suites or multi-generational living? Has that been something that's been more or less during the last couple of years that you've seen? Well, you know, we were talking about, you know, whether people are adding suites and stuff. So as you're saying, like, you know, if we have kids, adult kids living at home, that makes sense. From the monetization aspect of it, is that more or less prevalent now than it was a few years ago? I think it's more prevalent. Right. Because people can't afford to, to everybody can't afford their own home now. And uh, you are seeing multiple families within one dwelling, um, which obviously is going to help offset the cost. So we've done several things. Um, I mean, I think back to a project we did a year and a half ago in Port Moody, where the daughter was living in a nice home in Port Moody and her, her mother thinks she was divorced and uh, she was living in North Van. She ended up selling that home and she moved in uh, to the basement of her, her daughter's place so she could be with the grandkids and kind of take care of retirement by selling off her asset. And now they're in a multi-generational living situation and uh, they're all loving it. Well, not just multi-generational living. I know like when you watch a lot of the real estate shows or you read a lot of things online, a lot of younger couples are looking for income helpers too because it's the only way they'll be able to afford a home is if they have a basement suite or a coach home or something else. So a lot of the times they'll sit down there with their financial advisor and they're like, you need an income helper. Yeah, and a lot of banks will look at that right away. They'll look at what's your, do you have potential for rental income? And, and not all of them do, but some of them are looking at that right at the get, right out of the gate now when you go to qualify for a mortgage. So yeah, it all helps, especially nowadays. You need every dollar you can grab. Have either of you seen uh, instances where people maybe had suites, either legal or illegal or, or renovations that they've done where they're reverting back to get more space as opposed to doing the opposite, which is losing space for, for income property? Oh, yeah. they. I mean, a lot of uh, people, if they can afford it, they'd like that space back, especially during this pandemic. You know, they want another place for the kids to go or for mom to go to, you know, have a sewing room now. And, you know, there there is other places in your house now that they want to take over because we're stuck at home. You know, and and now that you're working at home as well, because I think a lot of companies are not going back to that traditional office. So now you've got even more time that you've got at home. So they want even more space. So it's it's good that uh, when they can take back a space uh, in their own home and repurpose it to something that they're more, you know, they need more of like an office or a playroom or just a getaway. Are you finding, Dan, too, because of this, um, more and more people are having decks again because I know during the pandemic a lot more people wanted to have outdoor spaces and a lot of people wanted to have people over but I know when I went to visit people they'd be like we're going on the deck and like a lot of them don't have these spaces but I'm just wondering if they're coming up in popular demand now just in case we ever go through something similar yeah like we're we're designing one right now like Laura just dropped one in my lap this week where the deck is getting increased by I think 50 percent or 100 percent so yeah definitely decks are being added increased in size Uh, there are limitations with decks you can only go so big given the size of your lot so sometimes you can't do exactly what you want but um, yeah definitely people are looking to to create larger spaces where they can entertain at home and not have to leave the house so and be outdoors which is technically safer as we've all learned yeah. 
Well, it's, it feels like we're talking about wellness now, doesn't it? Because mm-hmm. it's not just the aesthetic of living outside or the social element. It's the health benefits and the fact that statistically, if we were going to get together in the past two years, it was safer and more comfortable for people to be outside. So having a space to entertain is really important. And obviously, outdoor space is incredibly important. Under the topic of wellness in the home, both inside the home and outside the home, what are some of the things, Laura and Dan, that you've seen over the last couple of years that have been trends that have focused on specifically wellness and feeling better in the home? Well, I think uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind. And one of them uh, is definitely, um, you know, for your kind of getaway in your bathroom is a steam shower. I think a lot of people recognize that the benefits of a steam shower and it's easy to put in. If we're doing your bathroom, we may as well just pop one in. It really takes over a, a lot of, you know, it's good for stress. It's good for uh, feeling better if you have a cold or a flu. It helps get out the toxins in your body. So something like that, putting in, fabulous. I mean, it's, it's really good. They also have, you know, bathtubs with chromotherapy and things like that. So your bathroom can be a real wellness retreat in your own home. You don't have to go out to a spa or anything. You literally have got a lot of things that you can do right there in your own house. And as far as wellness, the other thing I think that we're doing a lot of that really helps people, and and it's one of those funny things that you just don't think about, but the lighting in a house. If you have a really well-lit place, it makes people feel better. Like they feel like they're, you know, it's good, it's bright, you know, with the windows open and the doors open and the light on, it really helps the, the space overall feel a lot more healthy. Hmm. Well said. I think another thing in terms of wellness, air purification. A lot of people are concerned about air quality now. So we've installed air purification systems that basically attach right onto your furnace. So you're getting the air filtered right from the, right from the source. Um, so that's one thing that definitely can contribute to wellness. Other things, like you mentioned, lighting, on-demand tankless water systems. So we definitely put a lot of those in. In terms of wellness, I mean, you can imagine a household with four children like you have, Mike. Um, If everybody wants to shower at the same time, you're not going to have enough hot water uh, by the end of the morning. So so tankless water units definitely can help with sanity in the home and making sure we've all got hot water for the entire day. So we do a lot of that. Well, if we're talking about sanity, a place to close the door so that you can be away from your children, that's, that's my, my big must-have in my house. We had four children. They've all since grown up. I've got four grandchildren now. And let me tell you, I am used to the, the noise and the, and the uh, people coming and going. So when my office is open, uh, I have anywhere, you know, 10 or 15 people come through a day sometimes. So uh, for me, it is going upstairs to my bedroom, closing the door, and I have a lock on it, so my husband will even have to knock, which I appreciate. <laughs> and maybe we'll throw some soundproofing in those walls. Oh, yes, Give please. you a solid core door. Yes, please. <laughs> I love that you have a lock on your bedroom. I know. To lock your, uh, out your husband. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there, there's only two of us in the house. Who else am I going to lock out? <laughs> we will not be playing this episode at my house. Yeah. I think it's a must for any marriage couple. That's yeah. Just me. Laura's tip get a lock on your door to save your marriage. (laughs) I think something else that we're actually in in design process right now is is it's called a Zen garden. So this is going to be at the center of the home and it's surrounded by glass, floor to ceiling. So you can actually see the the garden from the uh, anywhere on the main level. 
So, um, so yeah, I think that's going to definitely add to their, their wellness. Just every morning you wake up and you can see the garden right there through the glass. So what's so the like maintenance that. on that Zen garden? I don't know. It's to be determined. I think, I think the, this is actually a multi-generational project. So I think the, the retired father is going to take care of the garden. So. Okay. Because I was so the key say, is that you, doesn't sound relaxing. No. If I have to look after the Zen garden. No, that's why your, your, your dad would look after it because he's retired and he has time. Well, so, the yeah. good news is folks in an upcoming episode, we actually have a landscape company in to talk about this stuff. So if you keep listening, you're going to have the answer to that question in a future episode. Perfect. And speaking of spaces and hiding away from different people in your household, because when I grew up, I had a, I lived in a half a duplex that my dad built. I had a family room, which was like the TV room. We had a kitchen and then we had a dining room and then we had a living room. That's a lot of space now that I think about it that we probably never utilize. Are you still seeing the home being kind of compartmentalized? Because I know we have different things that I didn't grow up with like we had I did have a TV in my bedroom, but now kids do have tablets and they kind of can move about the house more freely or phones. I mean, it's, uh, you know, because I have grandchildren, because I've already lived like I know I've lived through the 60s and the 70s and the you know, we could go on and on. But because of that, I've actually experienced a lot of different kind of living types. So when I was younger, just like you, I, you know, we had very compartmentalized places in the house and, uh, you know, and then through the ages, we've gone now to a very open living plan, which I, I love. I think it's fabulous. Now we're seeing that the kids and tablets and devices, I think we're starting to see a lot more people and my daughters included uh, saying, look, we don't have electronics at the table. We don't uh, have electronics in our rooms anymore. We are kind of trying to get back to being healthy and outdoors, which I love. I mean, the kids are outside all the time. And I think it's just a sweet spot now that we're getting back to sitting down as a family for dinners and meals. So the home is actually taking a new landscape, which is more of a family oriented space. When we had the first inclination of having TVs in the kids' bedrooms, that's where they'd go and we wouldn't see them. So now we're trying to get them back at the dinner table and back with the family and and back doing outings. And, And you know what? I think it's the best thing for the health of a family as well as the health of a house that we use the rooms as a family instead of individually going off into our spaces. And that's not including my husband, which needs to be outside the bedroom door. <laughs> that's just me, though. <laughs> I think COVID taught us too. yeah, how do you deal with your family? Because when there's a pandemic, you're going to get to know a lot about those people living in your home. <laughs> Dan, Laura, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm sure there are a lot of homeowners out there who are appreciating your insight and practical approach to renovating. I want to explore more of the renovation design process, but first we need to thank our sponsor. Measure Twice Cut Once is grateful for the support from our podcast partner, Fortis BC. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources like you're hearing today from Dan and Laura to help you design and renovate the right home for you. Speaking of resources, the BC Energy Step Code Program is a provincial standard that is moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better comfort, health and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca where you'll find a variety of rebates for construction materials, home energy evaluations, plus mortgage and tax refunds. Very good segue as we talk about numbers and we get back to talking about Dan and Laura. Because let's talk about budgets and defining the project next. I don't like the word budget, but that's okay. That's why we have people to help us. Um, So, so many homeowners have ideas of how they really want to have their home look and feel. 
But how does a builder help the homeowner refine what is actually possible? Ooh, good question. Anything's possible if you throw enough dollars at it. So half of the time, my job is educating clients on what things cost, what they can do. Because in, in a lot of cases on a first call, I'll get with somebody, they'll say, I want to do my kitchen. I want to do three bathrooms, my entire main floor, and I want to enlarge my deck and I have $75,000. And I'll be like, I, we could probably do your kitchen. So an example like that where I'm, I'm educating them on how much a kitchen could cost, how much a bathroom could cost. So we, we do some simple math on a first phone call and very quickly they realize what things can cost. So yeah, so there's, there's, there's a lot of people out there that have no idea what renovations should cost and I don't expect them to know what they should cost. So, so yeah, that's, that's part of my job is to educate them on what things can cost. Since we're on the topic of renovations and how much they cost, I know you can't give us exact figures because every home is different and every situation is unique. But as sort of a rule of thumb, if someone were thinking about doing a renovation in their house, what would they be looking at to do a kitchen and say a bathroom? Because that's those are the main starting points a lot of people start with, right? Yeah. So kitchens, I mean, it's it's difficult with the kitchen because nowadays we're doing open concept. So a kitchen is more than just a kitchen. It's always you're doing maybe the, the family room fireplace that you can see from the island of the kitchen. So it's always more than a kitchen. But if I was to just narrow it down to this little room here and we were just doing this kitchen, I mean, a minimum $60,000, right? And that's going to be a basic small kitchen. And then it just goes from there, depending on what we're adding to that. Bathrooms, those are a big wild card too. There's a ton of different things you can do in a bathroom. You can have a steam shower, you can have a freestanding tub, in-floor heat, all this kind of stuff, right? So bathrooms, they start at twenty to 25000 and they go from there. I mean, we did a bathroom not too long ago. I'm thinking of the one in South Surrey with Laura. That was, it was a $100,000 bathroom. It was huge. It was like a, it was like a like a bedroom, but it was a bathroom. The size of a bedroom, but it was a bathroom. Freestanding tub, huge walk-in shower. Um, there's there's dual vanities, dual sinks. Everything was heated. Um, it was spectacular. And wallpaper. The toilet, the I think, was like twenty five hundred dollars. Oh, it was a, yes. It, 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 more it, buttons on the toilet more, than my oven. Exactly. So. And you could you could do remote control, so it could start without no. you. There's no cookie cutter price to any project. So it's difficult to, to say this is how much it's going to cost. But I can tell you the minimum. So here's where we're going to start. And it could really go anywhere. And that really comes down to uh, the design side from what uh, you and Laura come up with. But um, it's, it's a constant battle, though, trying to educate people on what things can cost. And I do crush a lot of dreams on a first phone call. So. Time is money. Like with me, my job is to go out and meet these clients. So I, I really do sift through clients over the phone and talk numbers with them on a first call, which some guys aren't comfortable with, but I do that. And then uh, based on the results of that conversation, then I'll set up a meeting and then we, we really dive into the details and the, the scope and the budget. I think it's important that you're creating a realistic expectation because no. I think it's great that we have all these tools that we have like Pinterest and how is it there but no. a lot of us aren't seeing the price tag of these no. things and so when we're wanting to renovate a room too people are forgetting that you got to renovate the guts of it first before you put all the fancy stuff in it yeah. and then the fancy stuff costs extra yeah and then with older homes there's there's things that are hidden that you may necessarily see right there might be an insulation value in the walls that's just not cutting it and your home's asbestos. cold there could be asbestos Exactly. So you may need to hire an abatement contractor to remove all the asbestos, which can cost thousands of dollars. Um, maybe there's old plumbing pipes in the walls, water lines that need to be changed. Maybe there's copper or poly B that's been there for a long time. That's going to be a threat to leak. 
you never know what you're going to get when you open up yeah. those walls. So. But what I really like is that you were talking about numbers from the initial consultation with the client. And uh, Laura, on your side, because there's so many beautiful fixtures and you can spend a lot of money, how do you kind of reel everybody in and kind of give them a more realistic expectation of what their budget can really afford them opposed to them picking like gold faucets or like this massive beautiful Japanese stone tub. Oh yeah. Well you know the funny thing is we still have those beautiful fixtures. Uh, you know we can do a gold or a, you know make it look very luxe uh, with with a budget. I mean we don't all have to go out and, and spend a fortune on a faucet and uh, because it, it's the name brand. What I'm looking for when I'm looking at products for a home is how good they are in the long run. Uh, do they have brass fittings like for faucets and things like that. What is the, the reviews online? I want to make sure that people are happy with the product because I don't want them phoning me up in, you know, two years saying this is broken or this isn't working. So there's a few items that I say we're going to splurge a little bit on, which are usually the plumbing fixtures because that is an important one. And it's really hard to go back and, and get a new uh, faucet in. It's not an easy fix. And the things that I keep the budget tight on are things like a tiling, you know, things that like we can kind of do the jewelry stuff to a little bit less expensive. There's some beautiful lights out there that are, are not an arm and a leg. So if it calls for the budget that we have something that's going to be two or $300 to spend on, on a couple of light fixtures, trust me, we're going to find something unique and beautiful and no one's going to know the difference. And then when we need to up the budget or if we have a bigger budget, then we're going to say, hey, good, we're going to try this uh, with the backsplash. We're going to get some extra kind of tweaks on the um, like an iron toned sink uh, in the in the kitchen, which is a beautiful product by Kohler that, you know, gives it a little more luck. So it's uh, budgets easy to get as long as I know what the numbers are. And that's where I step in. Like I set the budget out out of the gate. So our relationship uh, is is quite fantastic because the way we operate is I come in first, typically. Sometimes it's the other way around. Um, So I'll bring the client in and I'll create a budget with a scope. Um, and I'll put in some allowance figures for things like lighting. Sometimes Laura hates me because the number's too low. But so yeah, so then I'll, I'll give that budget to Laura. So she has a script and a, a kind of a guide of what to work with. So, so this way clients are able to stay on the budget a lot more. Um, there's other ways you can approach a project. You could, you could dump a whole bunch of money into design first. You design this big, beautiful project, and then you get a contractor involved, put some numbers on, you realize, you know what, we can't afford what was designed. So um, so we kind of have approached it that way and been quite successful. Um, and uh, then Laura kind of has a guide to, to stick with the budget. So we talked about it a little bit before during this episode, but obviously the relationship that you guys have as builder and interior designer, because you can't do one without the other. Well, you can. It just it'd be very difficult. <laughs> and I guess to you guys, it's just like, what do you think is the most important thing that maybe the consumer, the client doesn't know about your relationship. That we actually get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the behind the scenes. There's a lot of behind the scenes that they don't realize. All the texting and the phone calls and the, and the, I mean, we, issues will come up throughout a project. Every project has issues. 
And our goal is to not let the homeowner know about those issues. So we're dealing with those issues behind the scenes. And if we didn't get along, then those issues would be hard to deal with. So I actually like to work with Dan because he's got big blue eyes and that's it. <laughs> that's why you're locking your Thank husband you. out of the basement. Out of my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. That, Thank you, Laura. I know. You're just, uh, you're a sweet talker, but, but you a always, good looker. You're with Jesse more than me. Though. I know. I know. Yeah. And he's cute too. No, they're, they're just, they're great guys to work with. And you know what, what I love the best is that we're, we're casual with each other. We are professionals, but you know what, when problems arise, we manage to work things out and, uh, and the homeowner gets really the best of both of us, which is great. My observation is you guys both love doing what you do, and it shows in how you talk about it, in your pride in what you do, but also how you relate to homeowners and how you relate to your clients as well. And it's very clear with the level of reviews you're getting and the quality of reviews you're doing that. So we all got a job to do. We all have to work every day. When you have fun doing it, you get great results. And you have fun doing it. And you guys have been so fun during this interview. Laura, Dan, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Measure Twice, Cut Once. It's been a great conversation on the benefits of taking back one space and enhancing where you live to avoid having to move, which we all don't like doing. Oh, moving is the last thing I want to do. And I love where I live. And I think a lot of our listeners do as well. So this has been a great episode where we've learned about how to get more out of our space and how to think about making our space work for us. And have learned so much today. We've talked about renovation trends, including outdoor kitchens and opening up spaces to bring families back together. But at the same time, defining budgets to help determine what is possible, noting that working with professionals is always the recommended approach to ensure you build it right the first time. And of course, the value of design, the benefits of livability in the home, and the bottom line. Dan, Laura, you've shared so many great tips throughout this episode, but do you have one more piece of advice from each of you to share with potential homeowners that might be renovating? It's, it's tough because we've touched on a lot of the different topics, but I think I'd have to go back to really doing the research on who you're hiring and making sure they're, they're members with places like Haven, um, they're certified uh, contractors, and they've got their things like their liability in place. That's a super important thing, especially right out of the gate. You want to make sure you're hiring the right person. And I think that's the same for me, but hiring the right person for me means that you're able to be honest. You know, if you can talk freely with your interior designer, tell them what you like, what you don't like, and really keep open communications because the more we know about you, the more we can service you. So we really love it when people are just forthright. We love that. And if you want to know if they want to lock on their bedroom door, <laughs> no, that's a that's a guarantee. You get one. <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure talking to both of you. And I just want to say uh, on behalf of the rest of us here, uh, best of luck in the upcoming awards to both of you. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, share, tell your family, tell your friends. The more followers we have, the more people will find out about our podcast and the excellent resources our guests are sharing. If you want to check out other award finalists and winners, head to haven.ca slash awards. And for notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, including pictures of Dan and Laura's amazing projects, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Is it time to upgrade to a vehicle that's right for your needs today? Get all the options you need at todaysdrive.com. Brought to you by Black Press Media. We'll get you into the perfect vehicle without the struggle of hours spent trying to find what's right for you. We're here to help make your search quick and easy, connecting you with a huge inventory of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs. 
powered by Black Press Media. Visit todaysdrive.com.